0: And so we're back. Um, we're back, <laughs> yeah. And we have a special guest today, and um, this is Tina that we have with us today. Tina Hi. is actually Brit's cousin. So our friend Brittany that was in a previous episode called "Stuck in the Mud." Um, how are you, Tina?
1: I'm so good. I'm so excited that I'm here.
0: <laughs> I'm excited that you're here too. You're actually visiting from Georgia, mm-hmm. and so we uh, took advantage that you were here um, for Brit's birthday. Actually, yep. that we were just celebrating yesterday, and so I was like, "What better way to get her on the podcast and speak about her story?" And we can do this in person. Finally, so
2: I'm excited. It's, <laughs> it's funny because um, we were talking about you last episode, and then Andrea's like, "Oh, i guess it's coming down next week." I'm like, "What?" Like we called. With our freaking thoughts. Yeah. We called you with our thoughts. So I'm glad that you're here. I love yeah. it. I love <laughs> it so much.
0: I love your smile and your laugh. You are the cutest. Oh. <laughs> it's like so contagious.
2: She, she's brit's cousin. So she is Brit's they're both, cousin. They're both really cute.
0: Yeah. So basically, I met Tina what was it two years ago right during quarantine yeah um so in 2021 i want to say that we went to the beach house for the very first time we went to panama city we do this annual trip every year um And it's kind of like a girl's trip, but we've kind of added on guys like little by little. (laughs) And so on this trip, we were we had just met. You had just gotten your diagnosis of ADHD or like you were it was kind of recent, right?
1: It was it was recent. Um, I had maybe been like a year and a half into it by then. So a little bit more settled. Not super recent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I remember that it kind of caught my attention because you were talking about how you had been misdiagnosed with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and now we were just talking about it and you said even bipolar disorder and so I kind of had forgotten about that small detail but we connected because I'm like oh I kind of suffer from anxiety and depression too and then we started having a conversation in regards to your ADHD diagnosis I was going through therapy um and so my therapist had kind of suggested that maybe I should get tested for Mm -hmm. ADHD so that's kind of why we wanted to bring you on the podcast to talk mo- a little bit more about your mental health journey, yeah. but we're going to start with the very beginning.
2: Yeah. I want to, um, <laughs> I want to know because I know that you two know each other, but I have so many yeah. questions and I definitely would like to know more about you. And like Andrea that from the beginning, like from yeah. your childhood, where are you from? Like, tell us a little yeah, bit about so yourself. Yeah, so I'm actually,
1: I'm from here. I was born here, um, Uh, my mom and dad lived here for maybe until I was two. We lived in, I don't remember where exactly, but somewhere in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we moved to Sarasota until I was six, um, lived in Sarasota and then we moved up to Boston for about 10 years. I lived in Boston. Um, my dad, you know, had jobs there. Um, and then I moved back to Georgia after my mom passed away. So that was, that was a pretty rough time in my life, but, So then after moving to Georgia, that's kind of where I've landed. I went to university there, went to University of Georgia, went to high school
2: there. um, And that's kind of where I've been sticking around. Yeah. And and regarding your mental health and the ADHD and all these things, was that part of um, did you have that since you were like very young or
1: I feel like I did. I really like looking back so many things make so much more sense mm-hmm. in the context of, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have ADHD, right? It's not just like, oh, as an adult, this affects me with my productivity. It's like, right. oh no, I remember as a kid, I was like obsessed with this toy, like Miss McDonald's toy It <laughs> was yeah. like not even a big deal. And it was like, I was just absolutely obsessed with it. And Um, I think I ended up, uh, I was in the and noble and I loved books as a kid. So I was like reading my books and I was having the best time reading and I left it Mm -hmm. right. Because I got distracted. Mm -hmm. I got distracted with all these books and all these like, Oh my God, this is so Mm -hmm. great. And I left my favorite toy and you guys, like, I remember how I literally still to this day, remember how devastated I was for leaving this. Like, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, Oh, it was a silly little McDonald's. But my, in my kid brain, there was something so cool about that toy. It was just like so unique And I remember, and I remember my cousin being like, oh, well you left it. So it's your problem. Like you shouldn't have left it. If you care that much about it, you shouldn't have left it. And I remember feeling like, no, I felt so misunderstood. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. And I was a little kid, so I couldn't explain it in words, Mm -hmm. but I was like, you don't understand. I didn't want to leave it. It it like, it just, I just forgot about it. And I didn't want to, it doesn't mean that I didn't care. And it was like that my whole life, (laughs) my whole entire life moments like that. Moments that were really profound, like uh, forgetting my homework in my locker at school and coming home. My mom would be really upset. How did you forget your homework? And I'm like, I didn't mean to. Or forgetting um, I had a project due. I was in maybe like second or third grade. I had this like moon project where we like look at the moon and like the different phases of the moon. And I was supposed to be tracking it for a whole month. And then we had to do it all in like a week before it was due. But I forgot about it. I forgot to tell my mom about it. And she was so upset at me. And like literally all these moments that just add up through, I can look back as far as I can remember, truly. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's, it's, it goes back to like, when you don't know what, Mm -hmm. like, and I don't want to say what is wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. But like you automatically, like you, it's like, you don't know how to voice it and you don't know how to actually tell people. And that's something that me and you talk about now, because I think we've all learned to own up the space that we're in and say, I'm feeling overstimulated, which we're going to get into later on. But it's like when you don't know how to articulate it and how to put it into words, it's kind of like, exactly. how do you allow other people to expl- like understand what is going on in your brain when you don't even understand what is going on in your brain? And so it's like you you feel misunderstood because you don't even understand yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you don't, right? Just like you said, you don't know how to put it into words. You don't have the language for it. Yeah. And there's, Right. There's so much misunderstanding and you you end up blaming yourself. You end up being like, oh, it must be me. I'm forgetful. I'm, you know, lazy. I'm this, 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 this. It must be me. Yeah.
0: When did you um, when did it become something where you thought it was anxiety or like why Mm -hmm. did you get that that misdiagnosis?
1: Yeah. So the anxiety was something that I had experienced It was really a combination of anxiety and depression. It was like <laughs> double whammy truly. But I feel like I was experiencing that from like age eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So super, super young. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I think an accumulation of feeling a lot of pressure to do well in school mm-hmm. for my mom. Um, for her school is everything, right? School is like the way out school is the way to be successful in your life. Mm-hmm. And so At the time, I think I was maybe struggling in that moment a lot in math because it was just memorization, right? It's not, it didn't feel, it was like, I can use a calculator for this. Why do I need to memorize the times tables when there's literally a device that exists? Like for my brain, it was like, there's no logic here. right? And so I really struggled in school. And I think that's when- Right. My grades started doing worse and I got more and more and more pressure from my mom yeah. to be like, OK, we got to fix this. Right. We got to We got to get stuff together. We got to like make a plan because this is not acceptable. And so that's when more and more I started feeling that. But also it was just like a even deeper than that, you guys. It was just like a deep fundamental belief that there was something wrong with me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I was a broken person I was undesirable no one would ever love me I'd Mm -hmm. never get married I'd never like I just had this like deep fundamental belief that I was just like a weird awkward broken human and a burden and a burden. yeah Yeah, (laughs) exactly and I had to write I it felt like my whole life again from a very young age okay I have to try to Pretend I have to try to put on a mask, mm-hmm. right? Put on appearance to
2: ensure that I will be accepted mm-hmm. to fit in. Mm-hmm. To fit mm-hmm. in, yeah. So, do you think that, like, when did you, how old were you when you started having those feelings that you're like, oh, I'm not like everyone else or I feel like I don't fit in? Like, did this happen throughout mm-hmm. high school, middle school? No, it was school, a lot or... younger.
1: It was really the wow. age where, um, like, you know, when you hit the age where like your parents aren't making your play dates anymore, like yeah. you're responsible for mm-hmm. scheduling, yeah. <laughs> you're responsible for being like, Hey, you want to hang out? Hey, you want to have a sleepover? Right. That's when I was like, I don't know if I know how to do this. Mm. Like, I don't know if I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Like I can definitely say yes when people invite me to do things, but I don't know if I know how to like do these things. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big moment that I had. For did you sure. feel
0: socially awkward? Yeah, I did.
1: Okay. I did. And even though I had a really great group of friends that were like, we were kind of like in it together and we all felt a little bit awkward together.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I had more friends too. I had like my soccer friends. I had my book nerdy friends. Like I had a different, a bunch of different groups of friends, but I still regardless, always felt always, always, always felt like, Oh no, I'm just, I'm not worthy.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. you mentioned your mom passing. Mm-hmm. Your mom passed around what age? When I was
2: sixteen. Okay. Wow, yeah. that's such a big important age. Part. Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. An, yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's a, huge. It's
0: an age where you usually like need your you're mom. You're growing and stuff. up
2: and you're experiencing right. things and you're going through things. Do yeah. you
0: feel like that made things worse in regards to like your mental health and like? You know, I actually, um, I mean,
1: yes, that was a super turbulent time in my life. It was Mm. a massive loss. It was a huge grief event for me. Um, absolutely. And you know, it was so hard because at that time being a really rebellious teenager where I was kind of like trying to find my own independence and figure out who I am right? Like I didn't get to close that chapter with my mom to like come through it and be like, oh yes, I love you. (laughs) Like without a doubt, I love you. And we have a great relationship. Like I I was in that phase where I was super rebellious and super like, oh mom, like, you know, really angsty, (laughs) really angsty. And I never got to, I never got to finish the book, you know, with her. Um, and so yes, that was super hard. But I think the hardest part for me, big picture in the context of it is when I would seek help for my depression, for my anxiety, It would always be like, oh, okay, well, you're just still grieving your mom, Mm -hmm. and it would it would be Mm -hmm. even years later where I was like, no, actually, I feel like I'm pretty. Like, I I mean, obviously, yeah, that's still hard. It's Mm -hmm. still hard, but I would feel like every single time I'd go to a therapist, I'd go to the next therapist, and it'd be like, oh, you're still, you still have a grief wound. You still have a, you know, a massive wound here, and. Mm -hmm. It, it really masked the truth, yeah. which was, I actually had ADHD, but because I had this huge grief event, it like overshadowed everything else for yeah. these, these people that were trying to
2: help me. Yeah. How did this affect your friendships and relationships? Mm, I think,
1: <clears throat> I think really it, it kind of isolated me for a long time. Um, I think it, and it also added a lot of turbulence. So I I moved, my dad moved us from Boston to Georgia. And so I lost those friends that I was talking about, like my soccer people, my book nerd people, like I lost, you know, those, those friendships that I had had from a very young age. And then I had to start all over. And so it was like, you know, again, okay, okay. How do I make friends? (laughs) How do I even do this? And now I'm in a completely new space. I don't have those like inherent natural friendships that I had already like created. Um, and so moving was super challenging me from Boston to Georgia. It was a really big culture mm-hmm. difference yeah. too. I bet. It was And this huge... was after
0: your mom passed away. Yeah. It so was it's like year... losing everything. I lost everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I lost everything. And then very soon after that, my dad left, um, to, to live in Maine for six months, like very, very soon wow. after that. So I was just with my grandmother mm-hmm. who's, I don't know, maybe 80 something. Yeah. <laughs> and right. She's trying to raise a teenager. It was tough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so I had a ton of just instability, right? Mm-hmm. Bottom line, instability at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this then, but I see it now as I was seeking stability. I was desperate. I was desperate for stability and again, being in a place where I thought I'll never be wanted, I'll never be desired, nobody will ever love me, I'll never get married, I'll never be kissed. Like all of these thoughts um right truly my freshman year of high school, um, I'm trying to think the timeline. It was maybe like nine months into the school year. Um, I met this guy and I fell in love and that was the guy that I married. That's the guy that I'd been with. That's the guy like that was it. Mm. It was just like, oh, I found this person that, want, that desires me, that like cares to be with me, that, you know, is giving me affection. OK, yeah. cool. all Done. Stability. Right. right? Mm-hmm. That was the
0: stability. The security, the comfort. Yeah that you were seeking.
2: It's so sad that like when we go through something, cause you, you're, it's funny. Cause I went through when I was little, I was, a I think I told you this, which is silly, but it's, it's something that you kind of start like developing in your mind and you start believing it for so long that for me, when I was little, I used to daydream a lot, like a lot. And it would get, I honestly, looking back, I'm like, I probably had like some attention deficit or something. Cause I would focus on one thing. And then if it was like, if, if it would grab my interest, I would forget about everything else I was going on. And I would just be there. And then I remember, like my teachers would like give reviews about me to my parents mm-hmm. and that and then they would ask her, like, oh, hows she doing in school?" And then they would be like, "Oh, you know, she just like goes there's an expression in in Spanish that says, like, oh, she's like la oh, luna la luna, like in the moon. <laughs> she's just really quiet. she's very calm. She's a great student, but she's always like somewhere in her head, like and then I started believing that I'm like, oh, i'm probably not smart enough maybe i have a, a an issue and then it kind of became something that it kind of it builds like an insecurity in you mm-hmm. and from you saying going back to you you saying like oh, i'll never be kissed i'll never be any of, the, of these things i'm sure nobody told you that but you told all of those things to yourself yeah. and so many years go on that you start believing these lies exactly. and it's like it's so sad right because nobody tells you these things no. it's like where do these things come from like why are we like this to ourselves right Right. So, right. yeah.
0: And those are the things that make you feel broken. Right. At the end because it makes you feel like something is wrong. with But it's you all that, in
2: your head. Yeah. It's all in your head.
1: Yeah. And yeah. but that was my secret shame. Right. I yeah. never told anyone about I mean, I write it in my journals, yeah. but mm-hmm. I would never tell anyone about this. And right. I don't I can't obviously I can't go back in time. But I wonder, right, if I had been in therapy from a younger yeah. age. Yeah um if it would have given me a safe space to mm-hmm. voice that for somebody to say hey no let's interrupt this let's mm-hmm. Let's let's change the narrative here because this isn't true, but it was my again it was my deep secret shame. Yeah. Um you know, for my mom, I remember for my mom I, my mom and dad had this conversation and when I was really struggling, my dad saw it and she, my mom would be like, "Nope, nope, she's fine. She doesn't need to go mm. to therapy." Mm. She,
2: and that's the fine. Hispanic
0: mentality. It, that's mm-hmm. because your mom was Cuban. Yep,
2: I was going to ask both your parents are Hispanic or no, just your mom. mom. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's the Hispanic Makes mentality of, sense. "Oh, no, no. everything's okay. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. She's just going through a phase. Mm-hmm. It's just a teenage years. Right. She'll get. Over
2: it i have a question since your mom is, is hispanic what's hispanic um did they ever make fun of that like were they ever like oh tina you know she does that all the time and the, the, would they make fun of you that's a very Hispanic thing to do. It is a very do. Hispanic thing. No, I don't remember oh, that. That's okay. the worst. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't remember that. No.
0: Okay. That's okay. good. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people, like, especially in the Hispanic culture, mm-hmm. they make it seem like it's just something to joke around about. Like, yeah. you know, kind of like how they say, esta luna. la luna.
2: Oh, like, oh, you know. So my mom would
0: joke yeah. about it,
1: about herself. She okay. wouldn't joke about it with me. She ah. would just be in complete denial about it. But for herself, yes. Okay. Because she would she would say things, like terrible things, like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to slip my wrists. You know, when we retire, I'm just going to slip my wrists. Oh my she would God. say that and like she's joking my dad's like, "Are you That's joking?" That's such a Hispanic it thing is. to
0: say. Yeah.
2: Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, it's it's well not that specifically, but <laughs> it's it's like we have this humor because I'm Hispanic. It's like, I grew up with that, with that humor of like, it's Oh, like let's a say very dry,
0: morbid, humor. Yeah, very, morbid. <laughs> yeah. very mor-
2: which is funny. Cause we have that sense of humor yeah. sometimes. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you have to catch yourself. <laughs> you make
2: light of it in a, yeah. in a sense, it's kind of like you, it helps you kind of get over things if you're going through something really rough. But at the same time, it's like, no, like you gotta, you know,
0: well, you want to mask it with jokes, right? You want to mask time, it with so. jokes.
2: So um, that's why I asked, because I remember growing up, there were kids in my school that for example, like it could be like this kid would have like a lazy eye. And then somebody would make fun of, of him and be like, oh, like camera one, camera two, like stuff like that. And it's like, it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of like triggers you and it, kind of pokes something in your mind and then you're like, Oh, I guess I'm." it makes like... you
0: feel undesirable. Yeah. Like unwanted. And then
2: you kind of laugh with it cause you grow in the culture. Mm-hmm. You grow with that sense of humor. But at the same time, like what your mom was saying, it's like, you end up making fun of yourself mm-hmm. and it's like, why are you making fun of yourself? Like, that's not funny. You know?
1: Well, it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. that you guys say that because I know my mom had that deep belief about herself mm-hmm. from, you know, I, I was talking to my aunt, her sister And right. Like she had literally the same thing that I experienced. Mm -hmm. She experienced really in Cuba, right? Like in the United States and all of that. Like she had, she had a lot of, um, like really low Mm self-esteem. Um, I think she married some guy that was not for her. It was not the best guy. Um, she ended up getting a divorce from him. Very, he was like very abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like a very tumult. like she just like got married and didn't tell anybody that she was going to get married, which was like a big deal for my grandfather. But yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even really make that connection, but she had that belief about herself. And even though Mm. she didn't ever say, oh, Tina, you're not worthy. Right. I saw it in her. Right. She believed it about herself. I was just
0: going to say that you were repeating the patterns that Mm -hmm. you saw in her because it goes back to like. If we're not being taught how to speak life over ourselves, mm-hmm. because our parents are speaking death over themselves, then how are we ever going to learn to really speak life over ourselves? Like you're obviously just repeating what you're learning. Exactly. And so yeah. if she, that's technically what she was doing, she was making fun mm-hmm. of herself, having that low self-esteem, saying, "I'm going to slip my wrist." Like it's it's literally speaking death and over. And she herself. probably didn't
2: mean that. And but didn't it's mean like
0: it. yeah, but like, oh, it's what you kind of learned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So wow,
1: how much do I pay you guys for this therapy session? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's a
2: Hispanic thing. It is a
1: Hispanic thing that we can like I mean, goes back to yeah. culture. It's so yeah. great though, thank
0: you. It's very insightful. <laughs> Truly, no, I mean that's you know the yeah. point of the conversation is just to learn from each mm-hmm. other, which mm-hmm. is why I love and I love having conversations with you about all of this because I just end up like being like, oh my gosh, now it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> So I love it, but I want to go back and like reel back into like, because obviously you were divorced to your high school. I mean, you were married to a high school sweetheart, but you recently got divorced as well. Wait, wait, wait. Hold sorry. on. Sorry.
2: sorry. Pause. Hold on. I'm no, sorry. Don't go there yet. So you got married. How old were you when you got married? So I need to know
1: all the details. Yes, yes. The details. So, okay. So I got together in high school with him. We dated for maybe 11 years and then I got oh, married wow. when I was 26. And so he was the, he was like my only serious boyfriend, my whole, like my whole life. He was my only like boyfriend. Um, I got married when I was 26 and then divorced when I was 28. Wait, how old are you? I'm 30. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say She's only nine
0: months younger than Britt.
2: Oh, oh, wait, wait. So you got married at 26, got divorced at 28? Something like that. But you dated for 11. That doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) How do you date for 11 years, get married and then divorce like a year later? You
1: know, I think for the longest time, the conversation that we had was like, We already feel like we're married. Mm -hmm. Like we we treat each other the same way. If we were married, like we Mm -hmm. were very committed to each other. Like, mm, what
0: changed? Yeah, what makes you want to snap out of a marriage?
1: Well, because you dated for so long. I mean, I know this, but I'm asking. So the thing was, the interesting thing was. So let me give you some context. When when we got married, I did not want to have a wedding.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I wanted to elope. I didn't want anything to do with a traditional wedding vibe at all. Um, and that's what we did. So we went to Asheville. I did not wear a white dress. I wore a very beautiful blue dress, mm-hmm. but it was not a white dress. I took my own pictures. Nobody was there. My our, my dogs were there. <laughs> it was me and him and my dogs. Um, And we went to uh, Asheville, North Carolina. and We spent a week there. And that was like our honeymoon. That was our wedding. That was the whole thing. And it was great. And I, you know, there was a part of me that was like, oh, but for the most part, I was really into it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I do want to marry this person. This person, I love this person. He is so good. He is such a good person. Um, and so I did. I married him. And for the longest time, it really wasn't anything like, no, nothing really needs to change. But truly, so let's see, it was the pandemic. The pandemic happened. Mm. And that time, so at the time, my background is in science. Um, I have a degree in applied biotechnology. I worked in genetics oh, labs no. for like four
2: years. <laughs> You're amazing. You're
1: a good girl. Which is
0: crazy because it's like, she yeah, yeah, she is. She really is. Like wow. when I learned that about her, I was like,
2: oh my God, she speaks my language. She's a nerd <laughs> like me. Yeah. I love this. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So that's my background. So mm-hmm. I had been working basically as like a lab manager. I wasn't being paid as a lab manager, but I was a lab manager um for f- like almost four years and then the pandemic happened and the university had to shut down and so I was at home and I was going absolutely just insane I was struggling so hard I would be trying to work it was like cool here's an opportunity for me to learn a new coding programming language so I was getting my master's degree at the time for um like computer biology computational biology and bioinformatics. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I could learn a new language. I could read all of these science papers that I've been wanting to read. I could better myself. I could better my skills and my brain would not let me. And, you know, at first everybody had that problem. At first everybody was struggling with, wow, wow, working from home is so hard and all this. But over time people got acclimated to it and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was still struggling just as much, if not more. And I would, it trying to get my brain to sit down and do work felt like I was trying to drag my brain my brain through molasses wow. or like mud it was just like the most sluggish slow feeling like my brain just wasn't working and then the lab opened up and um you know like i got to go back into the lab and i thought oh things will be better but it wasn't it was literally the same i like couldn't get myself to do work i literally could not get myself to do work and i was feeling so guilty i was like I'm getting paid and I'm not actually working. Like, this is not like my injustice, you know, just like flared up. I was like, this isn't right. This isn't, I, I'm not this person. I don't want to be this person, but I can't get myself to work. Yeah. And so I ended up, you know, taking that time to reflect and really, really, really think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I thought about it and I was like, I love learning science. I love learning science. Because I love, and I didn't know this at the time, but it was the novelty, Mm -hmm. right? The newness. I love learning new things. But what I loved most about my job was not really the, what we studied, which was like plant epigenetics and like building hardy crops. Um, I wasn't my passion. Mm -hmm. And my whole time in the lab, I thought, I must be stupid. Like I thought I hadn't, you know, it was imposter syndrome for sure. But Mm. I thought there, like I had some kind of mental deficits because I was comparing myself to other people in the Mm. lab. And they were like, you know, they're reading these papers and they can analyze them and they can read them and they're fluent in this language that I felt like I couldn't speak in academia. Um, And for the longest time, I thought, oh, I must just be stupid and let me try to make up and make sure nobody knows that I'm stupid. Um, But that wasn't true. I just didn't love it.
0: And (laughs) there you go again, speaking negatively about yourself to yourself.
1: A hundred percent, right? Oh, you know, know, it can't be that I don't love it. It must be that I'm just not smart. No, I didn't love it. And so... I thought, you know, I took that time, I'm so grateful, you know, obviously that time was horrible, Yeah. but what I am grateful for with that time was I had time to sit and just think and reflect, right? It was, I wasn't go, 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 because my job was so go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. I could just be with myself and my thoughts. And I thought to myself, well, what do I love mm-hmm. about the job that I have? And I loved working one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. I love training students. I love mentoring people. I love being a supervisor. I love building people up and, you know, creating a team. I love that. Um, and so I thought, you know, wow, when I was a lot younger, I really wanted to be a therapist. I really wanted to be a therapist. Mm. Um, and so, you know, with that, I thought, well, let me, maybe let me not get a master's degree in computer science. Maybe let me go for social work like that. That's an easy switch. I could totally do that. Um, and so, That was. I'm kind of going in the weeds here. Is that okay? No, no, go for (laughs) it. With you, I like doing the whole story. No, but you.
0: I I feel like we need the context to know how you got to where. Yeah, Yeah. I'm. I'm picturing that too. But to get to where you're at now, we have to like know the context. Okay, great. So go for it. Okay,
1: great. So. So I was thinking, all right, let me be a therapist. Cool. Let me do that. And right during this time, right during the pandemic time is when my mental health was at an absolute low, because again, I'm trying to work and I can't work. I think, oh my gosh, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. And so this is when I tried to get, um, a diagnosis, right? I was like, let me see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Let me go see someone because clearly I am super depressed. I am so anxious that I can't fall asleep because my heart is beating so fast. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was just, I was a ball of anxiety. My anxiety was, was never that bad, you know, my whole life. And so I went to see a psychiatrist and that's when I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder Mm, right then, like this, this time was so wild. Yes. And so I thought, Oh my God, this explains it. It's not depression. It's not anxiety. It's not, you know, my dead mom, it's bipolar disorder. And I was literally, you guys, I was so relieved. I was like, yes it's bipolar disorder. I was happy. I mean, obviously I was like, Oh, okay. That's kind of a lot. But for the most part, I was like, this is amazing because now I finally have an answer. Right now. I finally have an answer for why, you know, antidepressants never worked for me for why, you know, anti-anxiety medication never worked for me. This is it. Yeah. And so I started taking the medication and things got worse. It was, they gave
2: you medica-
1: oh bipolar my medication. bipolar medication. It was um, called Lamictal. Um, mm-hmm. I wow. think Lamictal. um, or Lamotrigine. I can't remember. But anyway, it was a bipolar medication. And so I started taking it and very, very... So there's a kind of medication where you have to titrate up. You have to mm-hmm. kind of like go up and dose over time. Yeah. And as I would do that, I would get worse and worse oh and worse. And I goodness. got to the point where I could not get out of bed. I was in bed. I was basically bedridden because I was so depressed that I just could not function I couldn't do any household chores. I wow. couldn't, I couldn't work. I had to quit my job. Was it
2: like crying all the time? Or were you just really sad yeah, all the time Yeah, I, I over was super sad. Or? I was
1: suicidal. I didn't want to wow. exist. I felt like I was barely holding on. I felt like I had no hope. I felt like just, you know, like I was just, I was literally barely holding on. I did not want to exist. I was, I was extremely suicidal, but I was trying so much to to not act on that because I, you know, I wanted, (laughs) there was a part of me that really wanted to stay alive for sure. And so it got worse and worse and worse. I was bedridden. The only thing I could really do is like scroll on my phone. Like that is literally all I did. I scrolled on my phone. Um, I wasn't really eating. I didn't have much Mm -hmm. of an appetite and I read books because I was desperate for a way out. Mm -hmm. I was so desperate to try to figure out a way out. So like self-help books, I read so many of them. Yeah. And then, of course, I went back to my doctor and I was like, hey, I'm feeling a lot worse. And he wanted to prescribe me antipsychotics. Oh, my goodness. So he wanted to be like, oh, no, no, no. Let's like reevaluate. No, let's add more medication. And so this was the time when, right? This is it's so funny because this is all happening at the same time. So it was like a lot. but. This was the time where I was on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I was on TikTok because TikTok had just started to become popular. Right, in 2020. Yeah, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so I was on TikTok and I was scrolling and having the best time. And the algorithm was sending me ADHD TikToks. Wow. The algorithm was sending me ADHD. And I said, no, TikTok. I'm bipolar. This isn't for me. And I tried to like force the algorithm to get me on bipolar TikTok, If that's even a thing, I tried to be like, let me look up the hashtag and like, like a bunch of things and see the algorithm. <laughs> like, and it wouldn't change. And it wouldn't change. It wouldn't change. So I kept seeing these ADHD TikToks And I just scroll past and be like, no, I don't have ADHD. And then finally I saw, you know, so many of them. I finally started watching and I had these moments of like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Power and, TikTok. More, and more and more. Yes. That algorithm is too good. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. But more and more. And then I was like, well, let me look this up. It's like a it knows your brain better than you do. It literally did. And I, mean, I you guys, I, you know, I've been in, I've been doing my work for long enough that this is very common yeah. for a lot of people from 2020. Um, but yeah, right. The thing was, it wasn't looking at the diagnostic criteria for ADHD that really, resonated, it was the actual lived experiences with people diagnosed with ADHD, right? You might look at a list and be like, oh yeah, lack of attention, lack of focus. I probably have ADHD guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're saying that I'm like, what? <laughs> Continue. Right. You look
1: at the list and you're like, oh no, that's probably not me. And you know, you think of you know hyperactive little boys, yes. which is the classic thought when you think of ADHD, you think, you know, little boys in school that are disruptive. Yeah, but no, I was I was a great student. I was mm. a great student. I was a little daydreamy. I, <laughs> I was super daydreamy read my book under my desk sometimes, but I was mm-hmm. a good student. Yeah, I wasn't disruptive or anything like that. But then you see these adults your age talking about how hard it is to put away laundry
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and the pile of laundry that's just sitting somewhere And it's been sitting there for weeks or the dishes in the sink that just feel like they're stacking up and you think about doing the dishes and you feel exhausted, Mm -hmm. just exhausted at the thought of doing it. And I'd see more and more examples of this. And I was like, wait a minute, this fits. And so I did. I hyper focused. Mm-hmm. I did tons of research, hours and hours and hours. I ended up actually writing a 17 page paper on why I think I have ADHD. Were you still taking the medication? I was during this time. Yes, I was. Oh I was. Gosh. Okay. I was because I was desperate. I was desperate mm-hmm. for a way out. Yeah. I was absolutely desperate. Um, So I wrote a 17 page paper. I sent it to my psychiatrist as like a, hi, I don't think I have bipolar disorder. (laughs) I think I have ADHD and here are all the reasons why I can think of from childhood. (laughs) Yes. All of the reasons I can think of and every, right, everything, (laughs) everything I can possibly think of. And I sent it to him and he ignored me. He just ignored me and said, oh, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you're having a bipolar. You're having a manic episode. So I'm not going to listen to you. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I, that happened. And I was like, no, absolutely not. Because I could see then, right. I'd done enough research where I could see, I don't fit into the bipolar box. If I did, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, cool, let's go for it. But I literally did not fit into the bipolar box. I fit into the ADHD box. Yeah. And the logic didn't add up. I'm a very logical person. And when the logic that doesn't add up, I'm like, "Mm, nope.
0: you keep questioning. I keep questioning. Exactly. Which is a good thing.
1: Well, yeah, it saved my life. It truly did. Honestly,
0: not being heard. You're not being validated by your own psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And it gets to a point where you're like, I know what's going on in my brain better than you do. And I need you to listen to me, especially spending that much money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But a lot of psychiatrists don't take insurance. So it's very expensive. Right. And so at that point I said, no, I'm going to find another doctor. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I'm a very honest person. So I said, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but I don't think that's right. I think I have ADHD. Here's my paper. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she accused me of doctor shopping. Oh my god. She said, oh, you can't have two doctors at the same time. And I said, no, no, no. I'm not trying to have two doctors at the same time. I'm trying to get a second opinion, which is very common yeah. in most other medical industries. Um, I'm trying to figure this out. And she blew me off and she basically didn't want to work and accused me of trying to shop for Adderall too, shop for like stimulant medications. And so my, like that was the last thing that I wanted, right? That was the absolute, and that was my biggest fear too, right? My biggest fear was to be accused of just trying to scam stimulant meds right? because that was the last thing I was literally fighting for my life. I was literally fighting for my life. My dad had to stay with us because I was just like, I didn't I didn't I shouldn't have been alone. Yeah. I really shouldn't have been alone. I was like about to check myself out into a hospital. It was that bad. Wow. And so then I said, "Okay, well, let me go find another doctor again. More money down the drain. More money, and that time I did not say a word about the bipolar disorder. I did not say a word about the bipolar disorder. I just said, "Here is my 17-page paper. I just started fresh. I started totally fresh." And she told me, <laughs> She told me that I didn't have ADHD. I had overprotective parents and anxiety and depression. I didn't know overprotective parents was a diagnosis or (laughs) overbearing parents. Whatever. Same thing. I didn't know that was official diagnosis. She taught me something that day. (laughs) But truly, I got that and I left that appointment and I was so frustrated because here I am and I'm like, I know what I, it's clear as day, it's clear as day. And I was just looking so desperately for some, you know, professional to say, yeah, you're right, you're right. And so then I, I think I then presented her with like, hey, read this paper. Hey, here's all my evidence. <laughs> hey, here's, here, let me bring my dad in. You know, he can talk to you too because he was on my side. He was being very, very, very supportive. Um, and, you know, thankfully after all of that, after an overwhelming amount of, you know, work, truly work, you know, finally, finally, finally she said, yeah, you know what? I think you do have ADHD. Yeah. I think you're right. And that was like a breath of fresh air. Of course she did not want to prescribe me. Wait, how did you find her? Uh, I just found her. She was a, like a telehealth person. So I found her on the internet on like psychology today. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Wait. Okay. So
1: in all of this, how was your marriage? So my husband at the time was incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. I am very grateful that I have a very, very low tolerance for cruelty or mean people or nasty people. And so he is and was an amazing person and super supportive and so loving and so, you know, there for me in every way that he could. Um, so loving, truly so loving during the hardest time of my life and was just there for me every, every, every step of the way. So lovely. (laughs) He was my best friend. He was my best friend in the whole world and he was my rock, right? I told you guys stability was something that I really craved after my mom died and he was a hundred percent
2: it, super stable, just super always there. Always, always there. Yeah. So when you found, so you found this therapist and then she was able to tell you, yes, you have ADHD. What happened after that? Did she give you new medication? Like how? Well, okay.
1: So it's very frustrating because a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists, sorry, psychiatrists want to not prescribe stimulants because again, there's so much stigma. There's Mm -hmm. so much, right. People abuse stimulants. And so, and there's of course a lot of restrictions around it. And so they never, almost never want to prescribe stimulants. They always want to be like. Let's treat the depression first. Yeah. Let's treat the anxiety first and then treat the ADHD. But there's been a lot of books, a lot of research published that shows that this is wrong. This is the wrong paradigm. And so she wanted to kind of start off with like, you know, again, the bipolar, uh, not the bipolar, the um, depression meds and the anxiety meds. And I had to show her like, hey, here's this book excerpt that I read from doctors that is saying that this is wrong and then, like, thank God she would listen to me. That was the most important thing that yeah, I was right. really looking for. It wasn't somebody to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you totally have ADHD necessarily, but even just somebody to just listen to my evidence and mm-hmm. be evidence-based and be logical. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for, and she was that. So I have to give her a lot of credit for that. So I showed her the excerpt, and she said, okay, well, and again, she didn't want to prescribe stimulants. Um, she just prescribed, um, it's called Stratera. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically, it's basically an antidepressant, but it's meant for ADHD.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, that gave me horrible, this is just me being unlucky, this isn't a common experience, it's a very uncommon side effect, but it gave me really bad ear pain mm-hmm. that resulted in tinnitus or tinnitus, I never know how to pronounce it, um, which I still have, and that was after oh, wow. just like three or five days of taking wow. it, and now I have permanent,
0: what? Oh, permanent my goodness.
2: tinnitus. So what is that, is that like it's constant like pain? It's ringing,
1: it's ringing in my ear, yeah. Wow. In one ear?
2: Just one ear, yeah. It's constant ringing?
0: Mm-hmm, constant. Wow. That's crazy. really annoying.
1: (laughs) And I'm very, my ears are very sensitive. And so it was just incredibly frustrating to be like, wow, if we had just started on like Adderall, I wouldn't have, (laughs) I wouldn't have had this happen. So that was very frustrating. But you know, she did listen to me when I was telling her about the ear pain, she let me stop. And then she prescribed Adderall. And when I took that stimulant, it was like, it was just It saved my life. Mm -hmm. It literally saved my life. Adderall 100% saved my life because it was the first time in months and months and months that I felt like happy or hopeful or like there was a light, like there was a way out, not a little tiny, tiny light that I could barely see, but like a bright light, like a way out. Mm -hmm. It was the first time. And, you know, it took a while to figure out the right dose for me. For sure, that was an adjustment. But Adderall 100% brought me out of that,
0: you know, the the pit. Exactly. Wow. That's so crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so crazy wow. when you don't feel like you're being heard by the mm-hmm. people that are supposed to be the professionals in it. Right. Like, and they're are supposed to help you. Mm-hmm. And like, there was something that you said that reminded me of myself when I spoke about in the episode about fighting the battle of your mind. It's like, When you're in that moment of desperation, like you want to just get out of your brain so much that you turn to like self-help books Mm -hmm. and you get to a point where you're just like trying to get out of the thoughts that are going on in your mind. And so like you're just trying to distract yourself. And so I think that one of the things that I love about your whole story, too, is how passionate and hyper-focused like you say you became about learning more and researching and stuff because even and then now you've taught me and like even brit and other people that we talk to like the terms to like certain things like i love being able to say guys, I'm overstimulated, I need to decompress. She says this all the time, all the time. And I learned that from you. And I'm like, (laughs) what does being overstimulated mean? What does decompressing mean? And I feel like a lot of people don't even, It's it goes back to your childhood, not knowing how to verbalize, not knowing how to vocalize your own needs, right? Not having the self-awareness to say, I am tapped out mentally. My introverted side is screaming. I need to go and just be by myself and isolate and just like be in seclusion and not hear any person speaking around me. And it's like, it's knowing those terms. So I kind of want you to dig a little bit deeper. Obviously, I want you to start off with how you switched from your career into now being an ADHD coach, which is what you do, but like all these terms that people may not know of that may be so helpful for them in verbalizing and vocalizing what it is that they need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that transition for me was really, you know, when I thought, oh, I'm going to go get a, a, a degree in social work and become a therapist Um, right at the time of my diagnosis, right? I'd done a lot of research. So I'd heard of this term of ADHD coaching and I'd never come across that term before. I'd heard of life coaching, but not ADHD coaching. And so I just had this kind of like curiosity of like, oh, I didn't know this existed. What is that? And I was procrastinating on sending my application for grad school. It was literally like, I still haven't asked for letters of recommendation. I still haven't finished my personal essay And the deadline was coming. It was like very, very soon. And I had to take a minute and be like, do I really want this? And I had to really sit with myself and ask. And I said, you know what? I think my intuition is telling me that I need to check this out. My intuition is telling me that I need to see what this is about Mm -hmm. because – it could, it could be something that I absolutely love and yeah. it could be something that I don't need to go to school for, for coaching. There's no, you don't have to get a degree to be a coach. Right. Um, and I thought to myself, well, let me just try it. And if I don't like it, then I can go to school. There's nothing that says that I can't even years down the road. I can still go. I still think that way Yeah, years on the road. If I still want to go to school, I will. Yeah. Um, and so I found an ADHD coach, I think maybe on TikTok. honestly, um And I started working with her. And I think by session number two, I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I want to do this. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I said no to, you know, applying to grad school. And I said yes. And I signed up for a coach training program very
2: shortly after that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. That was like your calling after all. Yeah. Pain had a purpose. Yeah, it really did. And it's always like been, um, obviously ADHD has always been part of you. Looking back hindsight 2020 and the fact that now it's like. You're helping others. Yeah, you're helping other people. It's like you finally are there. You found the light at the end of the tunnel, but it was like a huge light. Yeah. And look, you helped her. Like when she told me about you, I'm like, who is this person? (laughs) Like what? That's amazing. It's
1: amazing. It's really cool. It's been an amazing journey and I've been doing it for, it's going to be two years in April, which is wild. Two years that I've been coaching Mm -hmm. my
2: business.
0: Yeah. It's it's right around the time we go to the beach house. Usually, Yeah. I know. (laughs) That's how I usually remember. Cause I remember you, we were going to the beach house and you were taking clients at the beach house. And I was like, what? Like, what What? are you doing? Yeah. Really? That's how me and her got into the the whole conversation because I was like asking her all these questions. I wanna be I have, have was... questions. <laughs> I wanna be your client. <laughs> at this I probably point haven't. Out, I was like, I need to know. I need to know yeah. more. And so again, going back to like what is hyper focusing?
1: Yeah. So hyperfocusing is when you have like an intense, it feels like obsessive, it feels like you have all of this energy to research and go down a rabbit hole on something. Mm-hmm. And so it can be like one topic of like, it could be so many things. It could be like what, you know, what are, who are the cast of Downton Abbey and what was the setting and like, um, where did they film and who was the director and like, what is, what is the backstory, all of those things. Or it could be something like, I don't know, how do container ships work <laughs>
0: <laughs> or a new right. hobby
1: or a new yeah. hobby. Exactly. Yeah. And or you hyper-focus on just that. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm going to get into photography or I'm going to get into crocheting or knitting. And this is my thing now. This is who I am now. <laughs> it can be like that too. But yeah. hyper-focus is just like a really intense like a lot of time and you feel kind of energized by it. You feel like, Oh my gosh, kind of feeling mm. and you're researching or learning about something or doing something. And you yeah. feel like I could do this all day long.
0: Yeah. And that's me. And then <laughs> <laughs> being overstimulated, how would you explain that?
1: Being overstimulated is when you have had too many, like too much sensory input. So it can be bright lights. It can be a lot of sounds like being in a crowded place mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you're like screaming to try to talk to someone um, trying to have conversations with either one-on-one or in groups for an extended period of time where you have to be like on or focused for Mm -hmm. a long time. Um, it could even be like going to the grocery store and being like, Oh my God, there's so many colors and things. And what do I buy? And how do I pick what I want to buy? It could be, it could be so many things, but the big picture is that you just feel very kind of like overwhelmed or like your brain is fried and you need to kind of like go into seclusion or just like hide in your room for a little bit and to recover. It's like, Oh, I need to like, recover I'm
0: exhausted or I'm drained you actually reminded me of something that you and I spoke about in regards to like shopping (laughs) because I think I told like I don't I don't know if it was you that I was telling or somebody but it was like something that I realized while talking to you that I can't shop online because it's too many options for me online. So I'm technically the type of person that I have to go in stores to shop because I also need to feel the texture and the fabric. And that's like a sensory thing that we kind of crave to like feel the texture of the fabric and like see and like, you know, it's a different kind of shopping. And I think that that was one of the things that we had talked about in regards to like sensory stuff, right? Like the overstimulation and all of that. And and Mm -hmm. I was like, and even then it's like shopping. If I go into a store that has way too many options, like for example, like I remember shopping shopping at like Ross or Marshall's and you have to oh, go through awesome. racks and I'm like, Andrea? I can't that's do another Andrea, No, yes. it's like, I can't it gives do it. me the worst I anxiety. I can't make up my mind on anything. I like, I like shopping at small boutiques that have 10 options and they display it. very <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to dig for it. Yes. Oh, same. Yes. And same. so that's one of the things that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that that could be like a, a sign that yeah. it's ADHD. You uh-huh. know? So well, I
2: don't like going to the mall at all. I know you don't. Yeah. I'd actually like, I do teenager, not like I'd get it. really grumpy. Yeah. I get really I, well you get overstimulated like it. it's everything yeah like, I don't like it and if I go to the mall it's like I need it's because I need to go to the mall like I have to I have no clothes I need yeah. to go like I it has to but you I go straight to, to where you're going yes. and then you leave yeah. and my mom's always like I'll go I'm like don't come with me like nobody can com- <laughs> I love going alone nobody yeah. goes it's not like oh girl day shopping sh-. I don't know how girls do it you know in high school everyone's like oh my god shopping let's go on Saturday and it's like a girl day I can't i need to go by myself i and then i go to exactly what you said i like a specific store i go there i couldn't find it i leave i don't have time i'm with you but i go by myself also because i take my time of day like if i'm going to look for something i'm gonna take my time but i'm gonna do it on my own time and if i want to leave i leave that's it Yeah. yeah so exactly yeah like I, I can't. Yeah. Otherwise it's miserable. Yeah. It's, it's miserable. The and then you have to wait for somebody else. And if you went with your friend, oh no, no, no. Oh, I'm you're hungry, going at but, your but own I'm not pace. hungry. Yeah. But you're hungry. Now we have to go to the food court. <laughs> no. No.
0: Decompressing. What does, what does that entail? Decompressing
1: is, is probably like after you're overstimulated or after you're just, you know, maybe drained from doing something like masking, like putting on a mask, doing performance, Um, decompressing is just like, I need to be alone. Mm -hmm. I need to not talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I need to not speak. I need to just like be alone by myself and do what I want to do. If it's scrolling, if it's reading, if it's going on a walk, if it's just laying in bed, whatever it is, it's just, it's a time to be, you know, not overwhelmed by sensory, Overload. All the sensory overload, yeah. yeah.
0: What's another term that like people don't know of that? So
1: there's also understimulation. Okay. There's understimulation, right. and so that is when uh, it's like you're home and you're like, I want to do something, but nothing sounds good. Mm. Like nothing sounds like it's gonna scratch the itch. Like you know, there's all the things I could do. I could go for a walk. I could go to the you know go to the store. I could um go see a friend i could call a friend i could mm. journal i could read but nothing sounds good and yeah. so you're just kind of like sitting there doing nothing or maybe you're scrolling on your phone but you don't want to be scrolling on your phone because you're under so mm. your oh, brain okay. is just like uh
0: nothing sounds great right now but yeah. that sounds
2: more like anxiety right well I that's think, why it
0: gets, that's why it gets is misinterpreted. I think sometimes
2: I think, well, how, what is your experience
1: of anxiety? Do you feel like a, a somatic, like a body? Yeah. I I've, I've felt
2: that too, but I've also felt anxiety as in like, like what you said, like the under simulation. I felt that, that I'm like, I want to do something, but I don't know. And I don't want to be here, but I don't want to be there. And it's like, it's, it, it gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, a, so yeah, like, maybe like under simulation gives you anxiety. anxiety. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I could see that yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, um, this is a big one is executive functioning. So ADHD, Mm -hmm. right. It's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but really how it's seen as now is a, is a challenge of executive functions. Mm -hmm. And so our executive functions are a huge, it's like the management part of our brain. It's in our prefrontal cortex, which is right at the front. And it's, it's really the manager. And so, you know, a lot of times people think, Oh, executive dysfunction. That means that, you know, there's something I want to do, but doing, doing it feels challenging but executive dysfunction is so much more. It Mm. is working memory, right? Oh my God, I I forgot my keys. Where did I leave them last? I put my phone down. Where did it go? Mm. It's what is that person's name again? They just introduced themselves. What is it? Um, it is, it is prioritization and planning Mm -hmm. like, okay, I have this to do list. How do I pick what's the first thing? How do I pick what's first? It all feels important. It all Mm -hmm. feels equally important. It's, um, emotional regulation, right? So a lot of people with ADHD experience intense emotions Mm -hmm. or, you know, big emotional swings, which is why I was misdiagnosed with bipolar, but right. They're kind of shorter swings. They have a shorter amplitude. They're, they're more, um, quick to transition than bipolar disorder would be. Um right one day it's like oh yeah this is a great day and then one thing happens and then the whole day is ruined and it's all over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love because I'm like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
1: So it's emotions, too. But there's so many things that come with our executive self monitoring is another of our executive functions. And that's like, right, like, how am I feeling? Am I hungry right now? Am I tired? Like, do I need to drink water? Right? Self monitoring or even our patterns in life of like, oh, I've had the same thing happen 20 times this week. Hmm. Like you know, just noticing that to be able to make a change—that's also part of self-monitoring. So executive functions are like a huge, huge umbrella.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I remember um, realizing with all of this was during the pandemic. I was working and I had such a hard time getting creative when I was by myself most of the time. And so it got to a point where we talked about it, and I remember. Learning about body doubling, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense!" So I would sometimes come over to Britt's house, and I we would just sit in front of each other and like work because she's like, "I can't get any work done," and I couldn't get any work done until I had somebody sitting in front of me body doubling. And right. I was like, "It's so interesting how our that brains sometimes need just that person sitting mm-hmm. next to you is quietly, like speaking, but that's how you get in the zone of like of working." And for a creative, I think a lot of creatives actually like have an issue with that of mm-hmm. not being able to get creative until they're actually with other people around. Mm-hmm. And that's where you feel like your creative juices flow. And that's where you feel inspired. And when you, you can go and sit at a Starbucks or at a WeWork or at wherever. And like, you're just seeing people move around and you're feeling inspired and creating. And like your brain's just kind of like moving a lot quicker and you're actually able to create. So that for me was mind blowing. Cause I was like, now I understand why being secluded in four walls is driving me crazy. And I can't get to that creativity that I want to get. Absolutely,
2: 100%. It's funny because I've always been in pandemic. I never got to work from home, but there was a time, a period of time that they told us to work from home for two weeks and I was going crazy. I'm like, I can't, I don't want to be home. It's like me being in a setting where there's people, like you said, and being in an office, knowing that this is where I work, this is my workplace makes me, like, work. But if I'm home, it's like, I don't want to work. Like, I get very distracted over other things. Your home is
1: not the place that you work, so your brain's
2: like, we rest here. But for some people, they work from their bed, and it's like, they get stuff done. I am not that person. I can't.
0: And then so, the other thing yeah. too, I remember is procrastination mm-hmm. tends to be a big thing in people with ADHD. Like, and I used to always say I work better under pressure, but it's because I like to procrastinate a lot. Mm. So can you dive a little bit deep on that? On yeah. The-
1: yeah. So procrastination can also can often be a part of like it's executive dysfunction. Yeah. Right and a lot of people with ADHD experience this and for so many people with ADHD, it's sort of like the deadline. It can't be your own deadline because you know the manager and their pushover, right? It can't be a self-set deadline. Mm -hmm. But if it's like an external deadline from a boss or a supervisor or somebody else, somebody else, then it feels more real to our brains. But so ADHD brains are pretty much wired off of like urgency and novelty. right? And so the urgency of a deadline, right? And feeling like, you know, that moment in time also ADHD's year's perception of time is very off. So it's like, it has to be like the couple days before where yeah. your brain is suddenly like, Oh, right. This is due. This 24 is 24 hours left. <laughs> yeah. Literally 12 hours till the deadline. Yeah. Okay. Now let me start. Right yeah. Now let me actually, I've been thinking about it forever, but I haven't actually started, yeah. but then, you know, 12 hours like, Oh, I got to go. I got to go. And then you do it. And you're, you know, usually, at least for me, I'm like, you know, I work my butt off. Yeah. I am like go go go, and I put really quality work. I get it done, but it's very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of adrenaline, right? It's just a lot. But that's the the urgency part, right? Yeah. There has to be a sense of urgency.
0: Do you think that we're constantly looking for that adrenaline rush as ADHDers?
1: Mm, I I would say more. It's about dopamine.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I feel like. When it comes to procrastination specifically, what I've what I've noticed for a lot of my clients and my own experience has been, right, there's sort of like a nervous system response when it comes to procrastination, right? Two weeks before the deadline, we're thinking about it. And we think, oh, yeah, this time, this time I'm going to start early. I'm mm-hmm. going to break it down. I'm going to do a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, and it's going to be done. And then I'm just going to be breezing. But that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. It's every day. Oh, I haven't done it. Oh, my gosh, I really need to do it. I should have started yesterday. Okay, tomorrow, tomorrow for sure. And then, right. The anxiety builds and builds and builds Mm -hmm. as the deadline comes closer. Right. That is. And and what's happening, there is a nervous system response. Right. If it's freeze, if it's like flight of like freeze would be, oh, my gosh, let me just not think about this. Let me push it away. Maybe I'll like distract myself with scrolling Mm -hmm. on my phone. Flight would be like, let me clean my entire house mm-hmm. <laughs> and do everything on my task list instead of this thing that I quote unquote should be doing and yeah. should be working on. But it's nervous system dysregulation. And so what overcomes that nervous system dysregulation is adrenaline, mm-hmm. right? It's amped up stress. It's the adrenaline of like, oh, the deadline is soon. It is tomorrow. And so the adrenaline pushes past the nervous system dys- dysregulation and just blows past it. And so we we do it. But again, it's not a very pleasant, fun Peaceful, serene experience. Yeah, that's
2: so wild. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: it's, know. No, you
2: know why. I was
0: like, we need to get her on the podcast oh because goodness. all of it is so interesting and it's wow. just oh, yeah. getting to that point where you're realizing how your brain works.
2: And there's so many factors to it, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Are you sitting there thinking you have I ADHD? probably now? have it. That's all I'm saying. No, seriously, there's so many
2: things that you've said that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. check, 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you see that it's a little bit more common for creatives to, to have that?
2: Yeah. I think,
1: um, you know, especially people that work from home Mm -hmm. or, or maybe entrepreneurs or work for themselves, it's going to be very challenging. Um, or for people that, you know, have jobs that are more like, I guess, like you said, creative, right. Mm -hmm. There's, you can't be forced to create, you can't be forced. Mm -mm. The dopamine comes right when it comes, Yeah. (laughs) right. The excitement, the, the joy of working on something, the inspiration, mm-hmm. right, right? All of that, it kind of has its own flow. Like, you know, I'll have moments where you know, for years, I don't organize my closet. And then one day I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to rearrange my entire room, not mm-hmm. just my closet. I'm going to redo everything. <laughs> yep. And this is going to be amazing. I have so much energy for it. Right. Like that happens maybe once a year, but I don't choose the day that it happens. It just struck strikes my brain like lightning of like, yeah. Oh, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the creative flow, right. It, it's hard to have that on a, a schedule.
0: Yeah. So how, because I know that was one of the questions that we got on Instagram when we Mm -hmm. said we were going to talk to an ADHD coach. How do you actually set a time like schedule, like to actually function better with ADHD? Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's something that we tend to, because I know, for example, I'm I'm doing a little bit more time blocks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, from this time to this time, I'm going to go to the gym this time to this time. I'm going to read this time to this time. Mm -hmm. I have to like, kind of like see even on my calendar where it's like blocked out time but like what more can somebody do when they have ADHD to actually focus?
1: Yes. So I personally, and you know, what I will say to preface this is I am an advocate for everyone to do what is best for right. their brain because everybody's brain is different. And I love you you know, I have a science background and I love the idea of experimenting with our brains right. to figure out what works for us. That's so what I do with all of my clients, right? I have, all of the tools, I have all of, you know, I have plenty of options to provide. And of course we can always create new, we brainstorm together and co-collaborate and create something new that's, you know, custom to what works for them, but we have to experiment. We have to data gather. We have to see, okay, let me try this and see what works, what Mm -hmm. doesn't work and why doesn't it work and how can we make adjustments or shifts based off of that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. I think that is so important for any, literally anyone, but especially for ADHD brains, Mm -hmm. And so I would say for me personally, Andrea, time blocking does not work for me because Mm -hmm. I am such a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And also my sense of time is not the best. Like time will pass and I will think it's five minutes and it's been an hour. Mm -hmm. Like it, you know, especially if I'm hyper-focused, like it's just, time is just gone. Mm -hmm. And so I would do time blocks and I would either come to the end of the time block, be like, no, no, wait, I'm actually hyper-focused on this. I want to keep going. And then feel like a failure for not adhering Mm. to the time block Wow. or I would, um, kind of be like okay I have this time block for this thing but my brain really wants to do this thing and that's not what the time block says but that's and I'd try to force myself to do it anyway and then it's like the mud brain feeling is back yeah and that shuts me down like that mud brain feeling I try to in my work in my life I try to avoid that at all costs because it is a it just it makes it me it shuts down my momentum to do other things yeah and so I actually don't like time blocking I am much more of a, a rhythms kind of person um and really, you know, the principle that I, I teach a lot of my clients is this idea of following your dopamine. Yeah. So not the dopamine, but your dopamine. Right. So dopamine, if you guys don't know, it's a neurotransmitter that is is heavily involved in the experience of ADHD. Um, I won't go too much in the science of it because I'll start nerding out. But basically, ADHD brains have less dopamine available. Um, and so stimulants increase the amount of dopamine that's available. Um, and so with that... Yeah. What the the concept of following your dopamine is very, very different from my like the dopamine, right? The mm-hmm. dopamine is maybe like impulsively getting a tattoo mm-hmm. or impulsively, you know, impulse buying impulse shopping, just mm-hmm. being like, oh, I'm going to just like buy these things and not really think about it. I'm just going to do it right. There's a lot of dopamine in shopping. There's a lot of dopamine in, you know, so many things that we do food, right? Food has dopamine for sure. And right, there can be a lot of impulsivity associated with ADHD that people really struggle with. But I think there's a difference between the dopamine and your dopamine because your dopamine is your authentic desires and wishes and like what pulls you, what inspires you, what feels like your inner child, what feels like your inner Mm -hmm. artist, Mm -hmm. right? It's like so powerful and so deep and it's beautiful, right? It's not this kind of thing that you get out of it and you're like, wow, I really regretted doing that. It's something that you get out of doing. You feel fulfilled and lifted up and you feel like you've taken care of yourself. You've honored your needs. Mm. And so this idea of following your dopamine is, is asking your brain, what do I feel like doing right now in this moment? What sounds good right now in this moment and doing that? Because that way you are giving yourself the dopamine that your brain is authentically naturally craving. Yeah. Right. And then right when we get dopamine, it's like a snowball effect. It's a momentum thing. And so you give yourself dopamine and then you're like, Oh, I feel amazing. I don't have that mud brain feeling. I feel like energized. I feel like, Oh, that felt so good. And it makes you feel more open to be like, what's the next thing that I want to do? That sounds good. And so, again, it creates a snowball effect where people feel more open, more expansive to do more that they want to do to create, to, you know, get on their task list, to do laundry, whatever it might be, when their brain wants to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think that answered that question. (laughs) Because, yeah, because I and it's funny because time blocking is something that I'm trying to do right now, especially after. So, I mean, obviously I was working at the agency. We talked about that in a marketing agency. Agency life was not for me because I realized, and I told you this, I realized I couldn't be stuck on a schedule from nine Mm. to five and being asked to create. And so... I did try the time blocking um, at the agency because with client meetings and all these things, I'm like, okay, but I need to actually create and do these things and create the social media content and write and all these stuff. And so like I tried time blocking, but at the end of the day, I would get so frustrated with myself when I realized that I didn't do all of the things on my calendar that I said that I would do. And I'd only end up like feeling even more drained and frustrated. And so I'm trying to do that now being like on my own, but I am feeling that way. Like, like when I get my day when my day's over and I'm like looking at the things and I'm like, well, I didn't do half of the things that I said I was going to do because maybe I got stuck in traffic. And then it was things that were out of my control that then I end up like being so frustrated about. So I do think that it's kind of like allowing me to show myself grace too, in regards Mm -hmm. to like, okay, it's not always going to pan out the way that I want it to. Right. Like, and it's, and that's okay. Like it's, it's going to be fine. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And I, you know, I, I think we can often set the bar so high for ourselves of, oh my gosh, I have to do all of these things. And that is what su- success looks like. Yeah. But that means that so often, right, we set it so high that we're it's often, too high. You're right, like we're opting out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I didn't do these things. And that feels bad. Oh, right. I didn't get this done. That feels bad. We're opting out of like all of the things on our list. And so I love the mindset and I love the perspective of setting the bar really low Mm. so that we can opt in,
0: right? So saying
1: it is safe for me to do less on purpose. I'm going to do a little bit. And if I want to do more, I will. If I want to do more, I can. And so the perspective that I really like to offer is to think of, right? Our lists are as long as our own creative capacity. A hundred percent. Right? The wow. list is only as long as your own creativity. If mm-hmm. you sit down and give yourself three hours, I mean, that's a long time, but like, you know, hypothetically, your list is going to be so long because you're digging in deep and you're mm-hmm. saying, what do I want to do? What could I do? Right. What, is my, what are my dreams, right? Our lists are a reflection of our own creative capacity and it's not about getting to the end of the list. Yeah. It's not about finishing the list. It's not this like, oh, when I cross it all off, then I'll feel good or then yeah. I'll feel accomplished because the list length has nothing to do right with your, with your worth, yeah. right? The list length has nothing to do with your worth. And so with that, I love the the mindset of thinking of our to-do list as a menu of options, right? right? So maybe we have a list and I love lists. I'm a big list fan. I love, um, highly visual lists because mm-hmm. if we don't see it, it doesn't
2: exist. Mm-hmm. And so we have to see it so that it does exist. I have lists of everything <laughs> I actually sent her a list today yeah. of things that I've been wanting to do. I'm like, Oh my God, I wrote this last year. Look at what I found. I have a list for everything of things that I want to do that I feel inspired to do. I have to see it. I have to write it down. Yeah. So the fact that you're saying that, I'm like, yes, yes. keep going. That's so beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like right when we look at our to-do list as like a
1: menu mm-hmm. of options, we get to ask ourselves like, okay, it's like a charcuterie board. Yes. Do I want the meat or do I want to eat the cheese? Do I want the crackers or do I, do I want to combine these things? Like, We get to ask ourselves what, what sounds good, what right. sounds yummy, what sounds tasty, and that is following our dopamine, our dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. What sounds good to me right now in this moment. And then we are, we are doing the things that we want to be doing. Yeah. And that is a much more, mm. you know, there's a very neurotypical, right? That's the like non ADHD term, but there's a very neurotypical, um, productivity hack of eating the frog. I don't know if you've heard of it. I told you <laughs> <Yes, we, laughs> yes. Yes. Eat the frog, eat, eat the frog. frog, do the hard thing first. Eat the frog. <laughs>
2: exactly yeah. do the hard
1: thing first and then oh my gosh you're gonna feel so amazing because the hard thing's out of the way and then the rest of your day is gonna go so easy breezy that is not true for people with ADHD we will sit all day long looking at the hard thing and be like oh my god I have to do this oh my <laughs> yes. god I haven't done this yet oh my god and the end of the day happens and we've done nothing
2: this is so funny nothing yeah yeah, yeah. this is it. what I was told at work they're like you just have to eat the frog and I'm like what does that even mean I hate frogs and they're like no this, it was something similar to that but no, it was doing like this, doing right? the hard thing huh no I'm ingles <laughs> oh my gosh i gotta come up with a shirt that says that i always say that i'm like no because yeah, you I know how they'll... there's like idioms in english yeah, yeah. that like so yeah. she's like what does that mean what what, like no i'm yeah. english yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. she says things i'm like no i'm english like elaborate um but yeah they they told me that they're like you just have to eat the frog like that's something that you need to do i'm like but no i mean sure but how they're like you just have to confront it eat the frog i'm like okay sure if only so if only we're so easy so the fact that you mentioned that i'm like
0: oh my gosh it's connected it's a sign yeah oh my gosh this is why i love talking to you i swear i could like sit here like three hours yeah, and just yeah. go like go down the rabbit hole of yeah. like all these things because i mean i think it's interesting to just understand your brain more right because in understanding ourselves better then people can understand us better because we mm-hmm. obviously will communicate our needs our yes. want our desires like it's it, it's like i said it goes back to being able to vocalize why your brain functions the way it does Mm -hmm. and why... Maybe I can see my friends like five days in a row, but then the weekend I'm like, oh, I need time and space. Mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. like, you know, don't take it personal. If I don't respond to your text messages or your phone calls, or you don't see me for a whole week, like I just need time for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those are like the, the very important things of like people, people tell me all the time, you're so self-aware. And I'm like, yeah, because if not, I might kill somebody like not rip for real, but like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I might punch someone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, it's just getting to that point of really understanding your brain So I obviously want to thank you. I mean, I know that it's taken a really long time to get to where you're at Mm -hmm. um, and so many things that you had to go through to get to it. But in a way, I'm I can say I'm grateful that you did because you're helping other people get through it. now. And so it just goes to show that there is purpose in the pain that you went through and in all the things that you've actually gone through. You're finding a purpose and like in a calling to like help other people.
2: That's definitely your calling. Yeah, especially because
0: you're so science based yet like your extensive research and you're wanting to know the mm-hmm. logical side and you're questioning and everything, it just goes to show that, man, it was all preparing you for this. Yeah. Like your science-based degree that you got in like this nerdy, I don't even I can't even say what it nerdy. was, bio what?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like me saying meteorology. technology. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: it's like it prepared you for this, you know, for what you're doing now for yeah. other people. And so I, I op- absolutely love that because I've learned so much from you. So, and I'm sure Nebraska's learning a lot. <laughs> yeah.
2: Too. oh yeah i am <laughs> going back to you i wanted to ask you where are you now in life yeah. like yeah. where are you now with yourself mentally how are you feeling with um, yourself
1: oh my gosh a hundred times like free yeah. a thousand percent mm. like so much more free um so super briefly right like I would say my ADHD diagnosis was the first time in my life that I did not feel like a broken human. Mm. I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a reason why these things are hard for me. There's a reason why my brain works this way. And when I started ADHD coaching, it was the first time in my life that I began to feel a sense of internal security. Mm. And when that happened, it was like the curtain dropped on my marriage. Truly Mm. the curtain dropped on my marriage. And I was able to see so clearly, oh my gosh, I'm with this person that I dearly care about and he's a wonderful, amazing, amazing person, but he is not the love of my life. Um, He was someone that I was with because he gave me stability, but like I felt like we were best friends and like roommates, Mm -hmm. but not like a married couple. Like I never, ever, ever really felt like a married couple. And so, right, like this this ADHD diagnosis journey really set me up for the first time in my life feeling like I can rely on myself and I can trust myself and I can love myself and like not just say oh yeah love yourself but actually feel Mm -hmm. compassion for myself and you know stand on my own two feet and see like no I want my life to be so much more than this I want my life to be so much more beautiful this I want my life to my marriage you know my future marriage to have so much more than this than Mm -hmm. just feeling like roommates yeah um And so we got a divorce. It was very amicable. It was very hard, but it was very amicable. Um, And then, you know, I was in this place where I was, you know, living with my family and doing coaching. And I was really, like, taking off with my business at the time. Um, And I was just in this place where I was like, wow, like, I like myself. And I've never felt that way, guys, (laughs) never. But I was like, yeah, I got it going on. And, yeah, I do have, you know – like, admirable qualities, and I am smart, and I am beautiful, and I am, you know, someone that's fun to be around. I never used to think of myself that way. I never, ever used to think of myself that way, Mm -hmm. but truly, my ADHD diagnosis journey opened the door for me to begin to feel that way about myself, Uh and, um, so I started dating, and I really had the best time dating. It was just a lot of me doing what I wanted to do, and then inviting other people, like, hey, I'm gonna do this fun thing. Do you want to come with me? So it was very,
0: you know, it was just very fun. Which is crazy, because you were saying that you didn't even know how to do the social thing before and it's like all of a sudden you're inviting people to do the things that you want to do and it's like that it was like a night and day exactly it
1: truly was and I felt I was just having so much fun and I was rock climbing and I was just I was just having like you know hanging out with people and it was just so joyful and that was the time where I met my boyfriend that I have now Mm -hmm. And I am, you guys, I am like head over heels, googly eyes in love with this man, like love of my life. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is what it's like to like be attracted to someone. I'd never had that experience before. Like being with somebody that I'm like really, really attracted to mentally, physically, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's of course amazing. Like I'm like so in love. Um, we've been together for a little, I think it was a little over a year now. Um, we want to get married. Like wow. it's just, do you want a wedding now? Yeah, I do.
2: <laughs> I do. Isn't that crazy that you didn't want wow, that before? Tina. I know it says a
1: lot. Do you want a white dress? I like, do. Op- I want the whole what? thing. Tina. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, super expensive I or anything love but it's like yeah i want my family and i didn't want my family there before right. but now i'm like yes i want my family there yes i want to wow. i want his family there
2: <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> Yeah. It says
1: a lot, right? Like my whole mentality shifted. It's like, Oh, of course I want this. And you know, right now at this time in my life, I don't, I don't think I want kids, but I get it now. Like I get it. I like think of him and I'm like, Oh yeah, kids with you would be pretty cute. You're pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) And I didn't before, before it was like, Oh no, never, 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 no, 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 never, never. So Yeah. yeah, it's like a huge, it's like everything changed truly. Wow.
2: Wow, I was like mind the, blown right the now. The puzzle piece I was missing <laughs> yeah. to finally like, you know, be this secure person because now that's confidence right there. That's you being secure, me like, yeah, I own it, and yes, I'm happy, and yes, I want to get married, and this and that because you finally found that missing piece that you were looking for for so long mm-hmm. yeah and myself wow truly. yeah, yeah. You're, you're, it's like you li- found you're, yourself you're living way.
0: for yourself really That's right yeah. right. right and helping others and feeling fulfilled and feeling fulfilled in your relationship that must be so
2: rewarding helping other people yeah because yeah. you understand them it's like i get it i know where it's going it's through. literally
0: it's the best my job
2: is yeah. the best
1: because i feel like i get to talk to it's like speak the same language mm-hmm. all day long mm-hmm. and it's just so it's just you know i think adhd brains we like to spaghetti kind of like we did
0: on this podcast yeah.
1: we like to kind of spaghetti <laughs> around <laughs> <laughs> you have, have, we, to, have you
0: have you ever heard of the whole thing about women having spaghetti brain and men yeah, being yeah I, I totally have i totally have we, i literally feel like this is what the podcast <gasps> yes, episode is like
2: it is. <laughs> spaghetti for sure yeah, yeah but like mm-hmm. it's like
1: you know we talk about a bunch of different things and then you, you know kind really of like
2: oh it all connects it's the a squirrel moment connect. i call this squirrel moment yeah.
1: <laughs> and i love talking that way i love communicating that way i mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. love small talk i love going deep so. saying same I love girl same that's so why we'll you're here is, girl it's appreciating <laughs> so i love this obviously but yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah i love it wow so thank you for sharing yeah. all of that seriously thank you. thank you where can people find you tina yeah so
1: i'm on i'm mostly on instagram these days my mm-hmm. handle is comfort and kindness okay um i'm also on tiktok also comfort and kindness okay um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Is this what you do full-time? Yep, full-time. Okay, perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. And to do coaching with you, they can find you through there, right? Mm-hmm. And your website or no? Yeah, my website's on my Instagram okay. and TikTok too, but yeah. Perfect, yeah. So if anybody ever needs coaching, you yeah. know of a great ADHD coach and yes. I hope that everybody learned from this because yeah. I know I did. I'm
2: sure a lot of people relate to this. I can relate to this. Yeah, so. and some people
0: are going to be like, maybe I have ADHD. I think I
2: just diagnosed myself. <laughs>
0: well, that's one of the things. I haven't gotten a proper diagnosis but I'm like, do I even really care to get a label like yes. properly diagnosed? Yeah, no. like, Maybe. I mean, I've I, and I just spoke about this in one of the episodes. I think my therapist said um, most women also have tend to have um, menstrual like problems when they suffer from ADHD. Yeah. And so that's something that like I think a lot of women may not even mm, know yes. that it could be a possibility that like you don't even need to get on birth control. And it might just be ADHD that you have. 100%. And so, I mean, obviously, that's a whole nother conversation for a different day. But. I think for me, I've been searching for answers as well for a really long time, and I went through anxiety meds and everything. That this was a very important conversation yeah. that I wanted to have with you. Um, so we obviously end an episode always with a song. And I mm-hmm. totally forgot to tell you
2: about this. <laughs> so I'm going to pull to you what I
0: did to Brit, the soundtrack of her life. Oh, no. But I'm
2: going to have the
1: same response as Brit and be like, I need seven to ten business days. <laughs> seven um, to 10 business okay, wait. I Well, what kind of song? It can be any song. It can anything, be any song. Anything.
0: anything that like brings you joy or maybe something that reminds you of like a season of your life. Okay, yeah. I got it. Now. I got it. It's
1: my favorite song ever. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Luckiest by Ben Fold.
0: Okay. Perfect. Love that. So that's perfect. what we're going to end the episode with.
2: I love Beautiful. that. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much you. for having
0: me. Of course, Tina. We love you. You're amazing. You're
2: amazing. I'm so glad I got to know you just now. I just, I love it. <laughs> me too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.